and we're gonna go live here so we're live boys fantastic all right well i tell you what um we're having a little bit of technical glitch this morning um and looks like trey is is jumping in with us we had to switch feeds real quick but um we're, we're breaking the, the internet, really. We are we are breaking the internet, but that's one of the great things about an unconference is we can kind of do whatever we want. So um, I want to thank everybody for joining us yet again, third session of uh, the first day of the three-day bender. Um, this is a, a really, really exciting opportunity for us to have a chat with um, three of my favorite folks from around the country. Um, I want to do quick introductions, and as you see, we just made Joe disappear, so that's a cool trick. Um, uh, so we are joined today by three practitioners who are on the ground making things happen in their respective communities. Uh, first of all, I want to thank uh, Trey Sherwood. Trey is the executive director of the Main Street, the Laramie Main Street Alliance in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, great, great friend of ours and has done some pretty cool stuff over the past couple of weeks that I'm excited to hear more about. Uh, from there in my window, we jump over to Josh Adams. Josh Adams is the director of the uh, Owasso Main Street Program in Owasso, Michigan. And uh, then from there, we've got Ben Wiesman, who is with Rev Birmingham, uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. So guys, thank you so much for agreeing to do the panel and, and coming in and just talking, talking a little bit about everything that's going on. Thanks for having us. Happy um, to be here. Part of the reason we picked you all is because you all have participated in so many of the happy hours. Um, and so you've been along for this ride over the past 10 weeks. It's hard to kind of imagine that it's been that long already. But um, I think the the first thing that I always want to start the conversation out on is, is as of today, you know, May 19th, 2020, um, How's it going in your community? What's the, how would you describe the temperature of the, the business owners and, and kind of the, the district um, as it sits today? Trey, could you start us off? Ladies first, we got to have that. We're, we already established that you've got a little bit of Southern in you. So we yeah. got to make sure that we, uh, we observe all those, those specialities. Thank you. I'm curtsying. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, um, I would use the phrase cautiously optimistic in terms of you know, what's going on in downtown Laramie and in our community. Um, Wyoming was never on a full lockdown, um, but definitely our community was very um, you know, respectful um, for the social distancing practices and is supportive of wearing masks and for there to be a sense of caution, um, but also deep deep dedication to supporting our local businesses. And so, you know, even when this started, um, we just saw an outpouring of like love and support from our community um, and care for our, our downtown businesses and our locally owned businesses. So even though it's been an incredibly, ex, you know, stressful experiences for all involved, I would say, you know, our community has shined in its level of, you know, optimism and care for one another. Right. Um, and yeah, about a week and a half ago, we did start to see, um, moving into reopening um so yeah we, we're seeing doors open again okay fantastic um and remind us um what's population of laramie oh so we are wyoming's only college town so right. when the students are here um we're about thirty thousand. so right now with the university of wyoming out and our community colleges out we're about fifteen thousand. okay fantastic now josh talk to us a little bit about owasso 
Um, well, we're in a little bit of a different situation here in Michigan, as many of you probably have seen on the news and everything. Uh, our governor and her stay-at-home orders have, uh, have got quite some attention. Um, I would say uh, you know, we've had a number of extensions on a stay-at-home order, um, and I would say the temperature is anxious, um, on the verge of concern um, for our business owners. Um, they haven't been able to, you know, obviously because of the stay-at-home order and the, the definition of essential business, many of our downtown businesses haven't been able to, to operate in the capacity that they wish. Um, they, you know, we've had lots of great programs be able to come in and help supplement some of uh, the, the losses that they've had, but uh, we're kind of getting to that dead end really. Um, so it's really, uh, uh, you know, to Trey's point, I think, you know, in the beginning, we were very positive, um, still are in many ways. Um, the community has stepped up and supported our small businesses, unlike any other time we've, I've seen it, I've been here for seven years, and it's been really, really great to see our community rally around, but it's getting to this, this kind of tenacious point where um, businesses are, are ready to go because they have to go, they have to start opening up. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then uh, what's the, uh, the population there in Owasso? Um, just shy of 15,000. Okay. So pretty similar in size. Yeah. All right. So Ben, you're our, you're our urban, uh, our urban voice there, Birmingham, you know, the, the outlier, thriving, yeah. thriving metropolis of Birmingham, Alabama. What, what's going on down there in, in Birmingham? So I think we're seeing um, the start of this next phase. So this is kind of the third phase that we're walking into right now. If you look at the first one for us was the immediate shutdown and closures. I think we saw we had a lot of businesses that were national chains that were looking to close. They had other bankruptcy issues coming into this issue and COVID just exasperated that. So they were quickly falling off. We've had a phase now in the last couple of weeks where small businesses that just didn't go after the CARES Act money or PPP, um, other personal life decisions, they've made a choice and we're finding it a couple of the businesses were long-standing businesses 30 plus years that have just said you know what this is now a moment for me to take a breath and switch gears okay. and they've kind of closed and now we're starting to see we're starting to get that opening um we're starting to roll that out just this morning our city council uh kept the mask ordinance in place so that we've extended you must wear masks in public up to the 29th of may but restaurants can open back up at half capacity. The retail shops can open up, taking steps. Um, and now I'm curious as to how these next few weeks play out. What's really going to happen? Um, what do people feel like? You know, how are people going to get back into this world and step out their doors? We're having the same discussion as everyone else is, both in my own household and in my at, at the office. Absolutely, and I think that's one of the things that has become the most evident no matter where you are, because we've worked in so many different states that have very different approaches to closures, reopenings. But the thing that has been interesting about it is as much as states have different approaches, so do individuals. Mm -hmm. You know, business owners are gonna have different comfort levels. Customers are gonna have different comfort levels. And being able to craft a strategy that still allows that room for every single person to find their comfort zone, I think is, is something that's, that's great for us to dig into. Um, Trey, can you tell me a little bit, I, I know you have, 
you have shared a lot on the downtown happy hour page. You went in, you asked a little bit about graphics that were being used among businesses. And I thought it was kind of cool to see how many people uh, shared different examples they had found. And then you turned around and shared. But then also one of the great things that you did was the, um, I'm going to get the name wrong, but the virtual marketplace, the, the PDF of, of kind of the, the directory of businesses. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about both the development of that and then also the response you got from it? Yeah, thank you. And I should say, I have an amazing staff. So I am in no means a graphic designer. Um, Jennifer Powers does, does that for us. So thank you to her. And I'm sure she's listening. Um, so it's always a team approach, but really it came from um, as soon as we started seeing closures in March, we did a community survey with this idea of there is no market data that tells us which way we should go and how we should pivot, right? There are thoughts and ideas and gut reactions, um, but we really wanted to ask our consumers, you know, Laramie goes, what do you wanna see our local businesses do? And based on some of those survey results, we knew that there was a desire for um, virtual shopping opportunities. So not just the curbside and the delivery, but the ease of sitting in your home safely in your pajamas at two in the morning and still supporting local. Um, and so we put out a call to businesses to say, one, our consumers are asking for this. Who's ready? Who already has some sort of e-commerce platform, whether it's through your website or Facebook or Etsy or Poshmark, and then who's ready to maneuver and push that way? Um, and so we gathered from our retailers and anybody who had an e-gift card, um, all of the links. And we were actually really surprised um, that out of 70 retailers, we had 40 who already were ready to go with some sort of e-commerce piece, which was higher than we realized. Um, and then our, our marketing person compiled all of that into a downloadable PDF. So not only is it available on our website and through hot links in our business directory, but you can download it, print it, take it with you to go, save it on your phone or desktop and everything's hot linked. Um, so you can click through there. And so we've been tracking that engagement and updating that every, every week. It was that gesture, was that something that was seen by the business community? And like, did they, did it convert into the sense of being supported? You know what I mean? Like, was that a, was that a tactic that was worth the effort or is, is the desperation such that it's kind of like, you know, we did it, we're glad we did it. But at the same time, you know, the people, it's almost like it, it was invisible to them because every day that they don't have somebody coming in and making money, they're pissed. You know, so I, I guess my, I'm like, oh, we need to follow up, right? So we've heard way more from consumers about how much they've appreciated this guide and are using it, but we do need to do some data tracking on um, how is this translating to sales to the businesses? Gotcha. And I think it's just a matter of like letting people catch their breath and right. then be ready for that follow-up conversation. Well, and I will say guys, this is uh, Trey's, um, and it wasn't Trey that did it, but one one of her great staff members. They were one of the first to the to the table trying to uh, create um, webinars uh, to to help, um, and they did a really really great one on storytelling. And it was the first it was the first Zoom call that I had um, listened to that got hijacked and. Oh. And like major, major kudos to everybody there in Laramie for responding in such a positive way for a horrible experience. Because, you know, when when people start drawing phallic um, 
phallic symbols on the screen middle of the session and she was a rock star so i you know i think that that's one of the interesting things that we always learn is when you're an early adopter mm -hmm. and when you're out there in front of the curve you end up being the one that hits the speed bumps as well and um and you know it's unfortunate but you pick up and kept going so I, that mm -hmm. was that was a great experience just being able to see what was being done on the local program um, and in that vein, I want to jump over to Josh. I think one of the things that Josh has done um, that I just found was amazing was just some unbelievable video work and creating some some videos and some messaging and some files that really were they were beautiful at kind of crafting that message between supporting the business. Um, and, and really also spreading a message directly out to the community. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you did there with the videos and, and what kind of response they got? Sure. Um, well, first, let me say that we're the main, we're, our tagline is gather around, <laughs> which is uh, a bit I of a- I don't know who came up with that, but they certainly didn't think about uh, COVID, right? Thanks, Ben. Um, no, no, <laughs> we love it. We love it. Um, but uh, because I think it speaks to the, you know, we say it all the time, um, in our, in what we do is the you know, people are what make places matter. We've heard that lots of times, but really, um, we did a couple things. We did, first did like a photo montage of showing the, the the difference between an empty downtown to a full downtown to really reinstitute re that idea that without our customers, without our citizens, without our downtown our downtown residents, these places don't matter. <laughs> you. Um, and really creating that uh, that contrast, I think, was good to rally, help rally people around the idea of supporting small business, supporting the place that they've learned to love, not necessarily with everything that we've done, but because that's where they've grown up or that's where they've had those memories. And, and really to let people capture and remember that as they entered in this new, this new thing, um, it was important for us to do that. Then with from there, we sparked the... Uh, I literally got a call from a, a local um, advertising firm in our community that, and in our downtown saying, hey, we wanna do this video. Um, we wanna kind of mimic it after a Detroit video that was done. Um, we feel like the downtown uh, site and Facebook page would be the best place to, to do it. So um, again, to Trey's point, um, not done by me, but an amazing team of people being able to come together and um, really at this time of need, you know, be able to, tap into those partnerships. And mm -hmm. this firm did it completely free, completely on their own. AZ Business Solutions is their, is their name to give them credit. Um, and uh, they came up with an amazing, amazing Owasso Strong video that we, we posted. Again, going into this, it was as we were going into to the stay at home order just to give people hope. Um, right. So far, I think we're pushing 45,000 views of that, uh, that video right now for a small little community in the heart of Michigan. That's a pretty good number for us. Right. Um, so again, you know, just attaching people to, to the place that they, they consider home and, and not letting them forget that as they entered into this unknown, that was really important to us. And it still is And how we gather might look different, but the importance of gathering around is yeah. still got to be there for our, for our district. And, you know, I, Josh, I love that point. I think one of the, one of the things that we've always struggled with, and you all know this in the main street world, it, it's like we always kind of say that we we accidentally invented economic development you know it was like 42 years ago or whatever they they decided that 
that they wanted to figure out how to preserve buildings, but they couldn't convince somebody to invest in their building if the market was dead. So they, they came up with these four points to create a well-rounded and sustainable economy. And, and it was like, oh, well, we're the pioneers of economic development and we never realized it. But, um, but the thing that is so interesting is it, it feels like the Main Street world has kind of been overshadowed sometimes from the promotion and especially the event and festival side of things. And now more than ever, we can make the case of vibrancy being related to economic development and, and that connection between why investing in place is investing in your economy and is not fluff. And, and I think that was one of the things that truly struck me by that first video that you posted of those just images of the empty streets. And that point that, you know, we talk about placemaking. It's not about placemaking. It's about people magnetism. You know, it's like, how do we create things that are so magnetic that it draws people in? So I, I just, I big kudos to you, because that was one of the things that as everybody was sending messages out, um, yours really struck me as being just, it was impactful. So good, good job there. Thanks a lot. Um, now, Ben, with Rev Birmingham, you guys are a slightly different engine. Could you... Uh, could you talk a little bit, first of all, about kind of the, the structure of Rev Birmingham? Because, I mean, obviously, you are a more urban-oriented support organization. And, and I mean, you're, you're, doing, you're doing similar things, but you're also kind of taking a slightly different angle. Can you talk a little bit about Rev for everybody? Because I think it's a great model. Yeah, so we, we are a true 501c3 nonprofit. We are a nonprofit economic development engine for the city. Uh, we are not... We don't work for the city. We don't have a dedicated contract yearly with the city. We go after grants uh, for city support, just like everyone else does. Um, and we're funded by corporations. We don't go after individual donors. We go after corporate partners. So we have a board of about 40 that sit on our board. Um, and then we have our organizational structure, CEO and CFO and so forth. But like you said, we are a true Main Street organization in the sense that we aspire, we, we are a Main Street designated community. Uh, we lend more to the urban Main Street side of things. We adopt and follow those that four point approach. That's a theory behind everything we do. Mm -hmm. And then we expand on that because of the uniqueness and authenticity of Birmingham and where we're at and the districts we work in. And so across our city, we have multiple places that have historic relevance, that have this unique character, um, that are these neighborhood centers that need the help of, of a rev of a main street. And at the same time, we are investors. So we've gone out in one of our core districts and we've bought 30,000 square feet of property. And so we took these dilapidated buildings, we've returned them back to a useful life. We've programmed them with retail shops, restaurants, office tenants. And so we run co-working facilities and all of that in one of our core districts. Um, so one of the first things we did as an organization was the retail and restaurants got two months free rent the last two months. It's okay. That's May and June are gone. You're closed up or excuse me, um, April, May. Um, so let's move into June and let's now start talking about how do we reopen? How do those things happen? 
our office tenants, our co-working space, we've continued to service those buildings. So they get to make a choice if they want to come in, but the structure is safe. It's sound. It's being cleaned daily. Um, and so they're making their own personal decisions about how to utilize the space, but it, that's their choice. Gotcha. We're not shutting it. We're just closing it off to the public, right. but the, the private tenant can come and go as they need and still has access. So Rev has got this really unique build. So we've got the nonprofit side of us, which is at Main Street. We put on street markets. We do tactical urbanism projects all over the city, which we're doing right now. We've been building the webinars. We do the promotions. We do the events. And at the same time, we're also economic developers and that we're going out, we're finding properties, we're helping developers, we're teaching, and then we're making those investments ourselves also. And so we've got a really good kind of relationship with the brokerage and development community in the city. And it's working hand in hand as we have found a threshold of projects that, you know, development projects all need about the same amount of work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter the size so much. They all are going to need somebody to do all this kind of work. And so developers typically look at it as return on investment of how much work has to go into something. And so they've gotten to this cap number in Birmingham and to our market, it's usually three to $5 million. They want to play there and above. Okay. But underneath that, they, it's too much work. It's the same amount of work as what they'd be doing. Right. So they just let it go. And so we step in as that nonprofit and talk to that small business owner, talk to that single property owner and provide a lot of that sweat equity support to make those small projects happen, which it's the details. It's these small little buildings and pieces that when you add them up, make this collective that has this vibrancy and this hum. And it's, so we really tackle the small things. Yeah. It's like a between those. Main Street and a CDC. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Well, let me pose a question to all of you and, and just kind of see what your thoughts are. Um, I keep telling folks, you know, this is a problem like one that Main Street has never faced before. And it's a problem that we can't festival our way out of. <laughs> you know, it's like typically we have we have a problem, we have a tragedy, we have a, a disaster, um, we we start to get our heads wrapped around it, and then we throw a big party. And and you know, that is not the way that we're going to be able to deal with this. What are some of the most innovative things that you all have seen or most innovative things that you all have talked about maybe or, or brainstorm on in terms of organizational responses to what we're dealing with? I'll go first on that one. If, um, right now, we've picked up on the national trend of reclaiming streets and putting those back into the public's hands. Our city and working with the city has been great. Um, we have found a section of a prominent street in next to one of our most used parks in the city. And we've reclaimed that street on the weekends and we're running those as you know skate parks. We got DJs, we've got other nonprofits out there. We've got small pop-up booths that all can be spread out along that corridor so that people can slowly start to step back into that little bit of reality of engaging with others, but still maintaining a good safe distance and finding that way. So we've picked up on that tactical urbanism, Mike Lydon kind of, how do we get back into the street first and just start getting around the businesses right. and reclaim them? And I think 
you know, the discussions and my, the team that I work with, oh, we have a lot of great people at Rev. They've, they've taken this on. Um, I think they found some strife at first with the city and just police and safety issues. Just everyone wanted to be really concerned, which is great. But once we ran the program that first weekend, a couple weekends ago, they saw the success. They saw how good people were being with one another. Yep. And so the cities picked it up and are trying to replicate it around the city now in other places. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, how do we get the public just out and back in slowly, the baby steps right in front uh, of the business, fantastic. seeing things. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I have seen that trend as well. And, and really, you know, whether we're talking about Denver, Tampa, and, you know, seeing small communities as well, capturing that space and, and truly realizing that, um, that it's all connected and you can give it back to the people and you can also take advantage of it to help the, the occupancy restrictions to still create a profitable situation for your business owners. So what about Trey or Josh, have you guys anything from kind of an innovative standpoint that you're either excited about, or you think is kind of a, an interesting key moving forward? Well, I'll go. I think, um, for us, it's more about messaging right now. Um, we still have yet to really come up with any kind of formal strategy. Um, the things that we're, you know, we have another little um, interesting uh, dynamic in our downtown. We have a bar barber that's since become nationally famous from Owasso. Um, he's uh, Barber, Car barber Carl Mankey is his name. Um, he's um, opened up against the governor's um, stay-at-home order and he's got not lots of national press if you haven't seen it um but uh it's really created this division um you know obviously when someone takes a stand you have another side that takes that stand and we've kind of got and i don't i think this is fairly common in in our national narrative as well where eventually you end up with these lack of a better word these mobs of different sides that people have taken and and as a main street i think it puts us in an interesting position where we have to occupy the center. We have to, we are the people that make the place. We're the people that encourage, you know, so when you have the, the, the mob, for lack of a better word, telling on each side, telling you where you should go, I think it's important for us to be able to message um, this, this anchoring uh, vision that, that we can still, when this, when, when the, the, the special interests leave town or when, when, every, when everything settles, how are, you, how are we gonna come back together as a community? So for us, uh, messaging will be key. Um, and I think it's calling people back to what we talked about, talking, calling them back to, to why they live here, reminding them, often reminding them you know, what they love. I think you know, have, not having events, it's, it's really taken our jazz hands away from us as main streets, right? Right, right. Um, right. It, but I think, but I think what we can do is we can we can harken back to nostalgia a little bit if we've done done events before. We can we can say yes, this is this is hard. Yes, everybody has their own opinion, but remember, but remember where we where we were, and we can be there again. Not that not to say that we should go back to what was. We're going to be entering a new new normal as it's always been coined lately. But. Uh, um, to be able, communities, people live in communities because they love them. So why do they love them? And if we can call them back to that. So for us, the innovation is to really get people back to, to wanting to be neighbors. Right, right. Because um, I think 
Right now we're all shacked up. I can speak for Michigan because we're literally shacked up. It's a stay at home order. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we're staring at our social media screens. We're looking at things that, you know, are being fed to us um, and we're taking sides and mm. we're eventually going to go out and see that person that posted X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, and think people don't think it matters sometimes, but it does when it comes to community development. And if people, if the people aren't healed and the people don't love one another, the space isn't going to be what it needs to be. So uh, right. how can we bring that back? How can we hearken back to that in a sense? So that's kind of where we're headed. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. And before you jump in, Trey, just, I, I try to keep track on comments and, uh, Mary Helmer jumped in as, as I think as Ben was talking and made a pretty interesting point where as easy as it is for us to fixate on kind of the difficult and, and the hard um, situations that we're dealing with right now, she asked the question, you know, thinking about what's going on there in Birmingham, what's going on in Denver, what's going on in Tampa, um, would cities have ever considered giving the street back to the people without this. And, and I think that it's always great to be able to just reinforce that we are in the middle of a retail and, and kind of process reboot that we will probably not see again in our lives. And being able to take advantage of that and shape the way that we respond to it, I think is, is really important. So um, that was a great point, Mary, and, and I, I appreciate that. Trey, what about you from innovation standpoint? And I, I guess I would reframe it to say for us, um, it's really focusing on the foundational piece of Main Street and the piece that sometimes gets overlooked as jazz hands party planners um, is really that economic development piece, that relationship that we develop with our small businesses. Um, and since this happened, you know, our office has been closed. I live out in the county. I've not really been in the downtown. So that's just hurt my soul. But having that distance has really helped me filter out the distractions and say, what is most important right now? And it is our businesses. And that is my favorite part of my job is building those relationships and having the freedom to spend 100% of my time and focus the organization's time on, you know, checking in with folks. What do you need? What can we get for you? How are you doing? How do we create opportunities for peer-to-peer -peer interaction? Um, and so not that events don't have an important place in the holistic revitalization strategy, but to be able to set those aside was really freeing and again, to realign resources. So not that it's really innovative, I think it's an adjustment of, you know, when you look at the national Main Street data about where most of our Main Street programs spend their time and it's on promotions and marketing, um, we've had to force adjust, whether it's something we've wanted to do, like I have, um, or just out of necessity. And so I'm thrilled to see how our programs reorganize and lead from this place of, economic development first, and right. then thinking about events second. I love that. I love that. Kitty from Kentucky just commented and said, this is such an opportunity to show we are so much more than bows and glitter, which is exactly right. Um, you know, I, I think one of the other things that is, is interesting about an opportunity like this and a time like this is it also spots spotlights some of the greatest frustrations that we deal with every day. And, um, 
I'm sure you all dug into some of the data that came out from the survey that the National Main Street Center did. And, you know, there were a lot of, uh, of numbers that I, I'll be honest, I didn't really know exactly. I mean, you know, 66% of businesses say that they're going to close if we have stay at home orders through August. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that didn't seem like a shocker. Mm -hmm. But the thing that blew my mind is we act like we are the stewards of these dynamic places with these motivated business owners and over two thirds of our business owners had no online revenue capability. Mm -hmm. And I've been shocked at how many Main Street managers have asked me questions after the, the closures started. How do we convince our businesses to go online? And, and I have to be honest, I've gotten a little terse with it. It's like, it's 2020 and, and there's a global pandemic. If that's not enough to convince them, mm -hmm. I think we can check them off the list and just say, don't worry about it anymore. You know, um, ha have there been any, you know, I mean, I, I kind of feel like extended hours and parking is the complaint that we hear the most from every community in America. Like, do you feel like you have picked up on any, um, whether it's just the, you know what, from now on, you got to have an online store and I don't want to hear you say you can't or you shut up about parking. Look, people are figuring out how to how to make a business without even having customers in the store. Um, what are some of the takeaways that you feel like you guys are hearing and seeing from the forced adaptations? Well, I'll say real quick, before this crisis hit, um, we had developed an online shared downtown marketplace for our district, built it out um, for six months. We've been put, we, we, we built it out, built tutorial videos where people could log on to YouTube and, and download the, and look at that and learn how themselves sitting at home with a laptop um, to add into the marketplace. Um, we had that for I think four to six months out there before COVID, um, not a single business owner took advantage of it. And currently we've just, we just, uh, when COVID hit, um, we decided to make it free for every single business in our district to, to go on. We currently have one loaded. Um, so, um, you know, again, I think, you know, in this, in this storm, our business owners are dealing with a lot right now, um, yeah. but we've literally spoon fed um, mm. this to them. Uh, we're going to, we are going to go another, another step where we're going to, we're actually going to hire people to go in and help load their businesses into this site, um, we're going to go on the next level because it's going to be vital. But to your point, Ben, um, it's to, I'm getting to the point where going, you need this, you, we're going to do it whether you like it or not, yeah. um, kind of thing, um, because it is, it's, it's right, you know, in theory, those uh, business owners could be making, you know, they could have been making money this whole time. The one business owner that we did have load up, um, uh, she's the first week she had she sells popcorn, but she had over $200 worth of sales the first week, which isn't a ton, but uh, it's something. So yeah, especially when for, there was a time where we were, our, some of our businesses couldn't even open shop. So, right, right. Yeah. In a, in a good world, this would have been our, this couple of weekends coming up would have been our second street fair that we had put on with the Merchants Association in Woodlawn. And we generally would get around 80 vendors, uh, a couple thousand people come out for that day, just for that one Saturday for shopping. And we've had to pivot. We had to cancel the first spring 
And so the one that would come up in June would have been a probably a night market, but we're pivoting to an online market. And so we're trying to take the same thing Josh was just talking about and teach and get all of these small businesses that are generally just tents and pop-ups into that online space and let's do an online market and let's fast forward this into a brick and mortar. So when you get to there, you've already got some other revenue coming in from a different way because one of my brick and mortar tenants, uh, I was talking with him and his wife and they're out of space at their house. They're like, our online has taken off, but we can't store all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've got to keep going to the shop just to make deliveries and just hold things while we're packaging it and putting it back in the mail. And so now they're running into the, the problem of we don't have enough home space with our toddler and everyone quarantined together to also run the business. And, you know, the packages are just stacking up. So, um, but they had been gearing up for that online sale for the last couple of years. And this has just really pushed them to another level with it. So I don't know if we're seeing as many reluctant folks as we are seeing they're swamped right now. And they're just slowly, they just can't move that fast. Right. Because like all of us, they're working in a pandemic. And to your point, and that's ben, a whole nother mental level. <laughs> yeah, to your point, Ben, I think that's what we're dealing with here locally as well. Just in the beginning, before before COVID, it was the economy was so hot, they were too busy. Hmm. Now they're busy in a different way, but also they're fearful of what it's going to entail. And to be able to educate them in those steps is our next step. And we're hoping that that will help. Gotcha, gotcha. Trey, you got anything you want to throw in on that? or you? Feel- uh, I feel like this is a hard thing to say. And hopefully my staff or board who are watching are proud of me. And if my business are, I'm sorry. Um, I think we still have to remember not to water the weeds, mm-hmm. right? That our job is to educate and teach, teach the business how to go fish, but not to do it for them. Or as Jennifer Ford on the Wyoming Main Street Advisory Board would say, like, we can't want it more than they do. And it's I know it's emotionally difficult to separate ourselves from our businesses. For me, I feel like they're my children. Um, But at some point, whether it's businesses are booming or it's COVID and we're starving, there's still that fine line that we have to walk of um, not, not taking on that burden and doing it for the business because that doesn't get them any farther down the road. And knowing the tough reality is that we will lose people. Um, so far in our downtown, we haven't, and I feel very blessed for that, but I know it's coming. Um, and the silver lining to somebody transitioning and saying, I'm, I'm done, I can't keep up with this, is it creates a space for somebody who's hungry to come in. And we That's have great, to be ready for that. Yeah. That's a great point. And there's, there's some interesting comments rolling through the feed. Uh, Joe said, we're on the Titanic, we've hit the iceberg. The lifeboat is the internet, get on the freaking lifeboat. And, and then somebody else threw in or stay on board and play the fiddle. And, and I think, you know, I mean, there's, there's definitely a certain truth to that. And, um, and, you know, I love what you just said, Trey, you can't, as a main street staff, you can't want it more than they do. And, and, you know, if now we've always talked about F and F, you know, every community needs a couple fires and funerals, you know, and it's like, if we didn't realize that it, it needs a global pandemic, but, you know, is this going to turn over some of the, the effort levels in our downtown districts? And I think that's definitely yet to be seen. So, um, 
Do you... And there's still a lot of hungry tenants out there. Right. To your point, Trey, that we've got them coming out to us that they want a brick and mortar. They want to get their business started. And now's the time they want us to be looking and helping them search out the appropriate spaces. And I actually am having to consult with a few, just you may need to put the brakes on just for another couple of weeks before you sign it. Let's just step slowly step into this, you know, keep the relationship going. Let's keep the discussions going, but don't put your name on that contract this mm-hmm. week. Let's right. maybe Eight, but we we're seeing them. They're they're hungry and they want to get out there and they want to get in these brick and mortars and they're looking for those spaces. Well, and I think that begs a logical kind of next step question as we're talking about the potential of business closure. We're talking about the potential of vacant space in our districts, and we're also talking about a temperature where more so than normal, there might be funds and and support for people starting business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know, have you all heard of any kind of creative incentives and creative um, ways to help a new business upstart, especially post-COVID? And it kind of goes back to one of my thoughts, Josh. We've got a, a legislator here in Delaware who's been trying to put together a grant package that would allow businesses to receive a grant to open an online store. And one of the things that I told them was, I said, I think that that's a great idea, but I think that there needs to be a caveat where if you receive the grant, you have to also agree to stay open until 7 p.m. three nights a week, you know, where it's like you incent not just one best practice, but you start to teach that it's not good enough just to have an online store. You also have to be open when people can shop. Um, have you guys seen or heard any creative incentives that when you kind of heard that idea, you were like, man, I like that. That That's something we had never really thought about in terms of maybe pairing one thing with another or just a creative approach to cultivating new business upstarts during this time? Uh, well, po- well, pre pre this situation, we actually have a revolving loan fund where we can uh, use for either property development or small business startup or development or or add on. And we just approved, uh, I think it was early March, we approved a new business to go on. But we used our knowing that we, this marketplace was going to be uh, was trying to we're trying to go on board with this. We required uh, part of the loan requirement was to have them on board to the to that uh, mark, particular marketplace. So they will have to learn how to do that and, and get into it. Um, this particular use is, is fairly niche centered. So we thought it would be even more important for them to have a broader base than just our district. So we kind of use that as a, uh, our loan as a carrot to get people on, on board. I think we'll continue to do that, but that's all I've seen okay. really. I know that's a, that's a hard one, but it's, it's, you know, I'm not, I have to be honest, I'm not seeing a tremendous amount of new ideas, but it's just, I am seeing some creative ways to repackage stuff. Ben, I think you're going to say something. We were, we were really looking at trying to help our clients meet one another and share space. So how do the the two of you have a similar, you're complimentary, you need to, instead of each of you taking 1200 square feet down, why don't you each take 600 and you can meet the market price because the landlord's not going to budge on some of these numbers. So how do I make that more palatable for you and your operations that you can step in 
show some early success and grow your business to where you want to be, but you don't have to take this huge burden from day one by yourself. So how do we share and start complementing a little better? And it doesn't have to have a physical divide in the space. It can literally just be the operations of who's in there and how, the, how their goods are respected, but it's having those relationships from the mm-hmm. very beginning. So we're, we're really working a lot more on that right now because a lot of our spaces are too big for mm-hmm. startups and they need to be smaller. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, I think there could be a potential, um, you know, I've, I've heard it kind of talk throughout our state with other Main Street organizations as well, but um, you know, we're, for once our small businesses are actually the cause or the, 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 uh, the, the purpose, right? They're, they're, the, they're the ones that we need to support rather than having people go into their business saying, hey, can you give us $20 to support so-and-so? Our small businesses now are that. Um, and I wonder if we could position our crowdfunding capabilities for small business startup at another level to be able to uh, position, you know, what types of businesses do we need in our district, especially post COVID? And can we leverage that new vision um, to, to fund startups? So, you know, I think we could take crowd love, crowdfunding. While it's not a new thing, we could adjust it to make it work with what we're currently dealing with. Right, right. Well, look, guys, gotta, uh, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I was going to say a uh, quick little idea was we have a local uh, marketing graphics firm and they do a lot of printed material, a lot of silk screens. And they, they came up with every two weeks, they have a localist series of t-shirts mm-hmm. where they're designing new logos, new ways to represent six to eight local businesses. Half the proceeds of the t-shirt sales go to that business and half keep them printing t-shirts so every two weeks we've we're now into the third series of localists from Yellowhammer creative of hey i just really like this local chicken eugene's i'm gonna go get that shirt yeah and nick in two weeks it sells out and the next two weeks it's another batch of six to eight businesses mm-hmm. and that's been a really fun creative kind of give back to keep two businesses going at the same time and i know trey you've got somebody that did something real similar there in laramie didn't you Yes. Very cool. I love, love that program. Um, Ellensburg, Washington has got a screen printer that did the same thing. Very cool businesses, very cool designs. Um, we had a, a comment, Wayne Carter asked, how do you get property owners to divide that large space? And, you know, one thing is when you come to them with two tenants, then, you know, that it's not a tremendous amount of effort. But one of the things that we just heard Randy Wilson talk about too, yeah. is tapping into facade grants and kind of breaking those down into more what we call component grants, mm-hmm. and then being able to offer uh, what we call demising wall grants. So you could actually help to grant the construction of a thoughtful divider of the space where you can have those tenants in a in a same space and make that square footage work for them. So mm-hmm. we all we have run right about time. I want to end just a couple minutes early because I, I since I had to steal Joe's feed, um, I need to give it back to him for the next session. But Ben, Josh, Trey, thank you guys so much for what you're doing on the ground. Thank you for your support during uh, the happy hours all along the time. And, and we really look forward to the opportunity that we can all get back together and, and um, meet in person. But, uh, but I appreciate you all taking the time to talk a little bit about what's going on on the ground. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you. Take care. Afternoon.